Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And a very pleasant Saturday to you. I'm Harry Alexander on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, and over on the other side of the uh, glass as it is, ding, ding, knocking, ding. On, knocking on uh, the glass door there. Knocking on uh, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate is... Yeah. Uh, my good friend Bunker de France, and uh, this is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And before I get to a whole bunch of things, I need to tell you that Emil Franzi's Voices of the West is brought to you by the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club, Arizona Computer Guru, Paul Ash Management, Zach and Schmidt's PLC, Imus Wilkinson, Wilkerson Investments, and Horsin' Around Rescue. So uh, there, there, there you be. A good pack of uh, partners. A good pack of partners for a damn good show, I think. You bet you. So, you bet uh, you, Red Rider. <laughs> <laughs> so also, uh, I, I need to do these housekeeping goodies yeah, here because care. tell us all about because our show, uh, yeah. otherwise DeFrance will get on me here. I will. Uh, I'm you just can, waiting. If I, just I like a vulture over a corpse here. Just waiting. Pluck yeah, out them eyeballs. Yeah, you can connect with us <laughs> by calling eight four four. 908-WEST, 844-908-9378. Our email, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash voicesofthewest. YouTube, well, we don't have our, uh, we have a channel, but we don't have a separate address for that. So uh, YouTube, just search for the Voices of the West, and uh, by all means, do subscribe just to the channel. Stagger around and you'll find us. Yeah, the, you'll find us, I guarantee it. And don't forget to check out VOW Radio for yeah. old-time Western radio serials. Happens every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And I think... That's, that that's covers Arizona it. Cowboy time, right? It's Arizona Cowboy time. I okay. think you got anything else that I need to... Well, uh, let me think. Well, I do want to mention that tomorrow the International Western Music Association uh, chapter is having their jam session and business meeting out at the Tanka Verde Ranch at the end of Speedway at 1.30... Uh, anybody that's interested and wants to come out and hear some some uh, good cowboy music, probably some cowboy poetry, maybe a story or two, and who knows what uh, what all, uh, come on out. You're welcome to join us if you got a talent. Uh, if you get there early enough and let them know, we'll squeak you in there. And it's a good time. And also, uh, Monday... Is May Camp's birthday, and I want to say happy birthday, May. She was one of the founding members of the Western Music Association when it was called that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she had the Triple C, her and her husband Chuck, the Triple C Chuck Wagon out there on the other side of Tucson Mountains mm-hmm. in the Haver Valley. Mm-hmm. And for years they had the Sons of the Pioneers out there. Mm-hmm. May is kind of, kind of. Uh, Living history of Western music. It's a wonderful lady. I love her like I, I love her like family. <laughs> there you go. Well, and uh, for today's program, yeah. What is today's uh, program? Uh, t- t- today, today's program is what I'm going to call open range, and you call nuggets. Nuggets so. or or rolling meadow muffins. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm not going to touch that. that. No, I ain't going to touch that one. Can uh, you picture those mid- middle I, I, Unfortunately, I can't. Fresh on the trail. Yes, unfortunately, I can. On a cold morning, they're steamed. I, I also know them as road apples. Yeah, well, that's another name mm-hmm. for them. Anyway. Uh, now, did you know Did you know the, the story behind Cowboy Frisbees? No. Well, you know Cowboy... But I bet you're going to tell us. Oh, yeah, well, why not? <laughs> you, know, you know, when you're out there on the open range... And there's a lot of cattle out there. Well, they do what cattle do after they eat a lot of grass, Mm -hmm. and they leave little deposits on the ground. Mm -hmm. Well, cow deposits have a tendency to flatten out. Yes, they do. And when they get nice and dry and crisp, they make good fire for making a nice hot fire, but they also make a wonderful frisbee. Cow chip tossing. Cow chip tossing. Call it that. Done Done worse. I know I want to mention, you know, because of the nature of today's show, which is kind of a catch-all, grab-all, fall-into-the-hole kind of show, 
if you guys have got anything out there you want to talk about, any questions you got, any complaints, if you want to throw some rocks, you can go ahead because I know you can't hit us. We're, we're in a safe place. But we want to hear from you because this is, this is right. about participation. And, and um, you know, that helps us to yeah. entertain you if you give us what you want. Well, we will open up the, the uh, phone lines here after the very first commercial break uh, coming up in a few minutes or so. But uh, to get things going... Yeah, you had a topic. Yeah, right? i, I got to tell everybody, every Friday, every Friday morning, Bunker and I have breakfast at KG's Cafe on uh, West Grant between um, uh, the I-10 and uh, Silver Bell on the, uh, west, uh, on the south side of uh, Grant Road. And it's in a strip mall there. Um, and, man, it is... It's, 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 it's like old-time, you know... Roadhouse cooking, good stuff. The it's kind of good. stuff the truckers would pull. That's over. right. It's good, and, and yeah, there's a perfect example because when you see there's a lot of people in there and they're eating, that means that it, the food is good because mm-hmm. you know a trucker is not going to sit at a at a table and eat or a counter and eat something if it's going to go rumbling in the uh, in the gizzard <laughs> there uh, yeah. on the road. Hundred miles to the next stop. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that dog just ain't going to hunt anyway. Uh, uh, yesterday, I uh, brought up an idea over, over chicken enchiladas, over chicken and eggs. <laughs> chicken enchiladas, eggs, and you had beans. I had hashies. Um, <clears throat> Benz. Benz. The um, <laughs> the the westerns that we grew up with, uh, the Lone Ranger, Hopalong Cassidy, Range Rider. All yeah, of the those. early days of television, yeah. the old older movies. Right when it was all black and white. Black and white. Now, there were things filmed in color, but I'm talking television specifically. Oh, yeah. So, let's take, for example, a Hopalong Cassidy. Let's take a Hoppy, for example. Let's take a Hoppy. Um, and pick any Hoppy movie you want. Um, I'll pick that one. They're, they're all just, they're all good. Yes, no they question. are. Um, it's in black and white. Right? Yes, they are. Now, because it's in black and white, that has a... A definitive feel about it okay um the shooting of the movie or the the project in black and white you're looking at a lot of shadows and how to maximize those shadows and the lighting and, is and different the, yeah, totally different than in color um and, and i say that because i've shot black and white before not Motion picture black and white, but black and white film, and yeah, but they you still mean like have, with a brownie camera. With a brownie, you know, with a brownie camera. Those were good cameras. And my thir- the old thirty-five millimeter that I had, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yo, you know those old eight millimeter brownies? They shot well. For one, the lens was infinity, yep. so stuff you didn't have to worry about focus. focal. Uh, yeah. yeah, focal, yeah, anything of that stuff. So, anyway, the idea is if these were shot in color or they were colorized we've seen them in black and white it's like Turner when he took over the television thing there and uh, decided to colorize some movies a little crazy for a year or two so would it have the same would the the show have the same impact uh, for us if it was colorized what do you think Henry I don't think so and the reason I don't think so is because, well, we're, we're, we've grown up to understand that it's black and white. And I still maintain that if we ever went back in time, we would be in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with that because, the, because the cave paintings over in Spain, no. which are, are almost prehistoric, were pr- done in color. Say what you will. I think it's black and white. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if if these were, <laughs> you got a problem there. I know the, these. Uh, I I don't think it would be the same. The story would be a little would be a, I think a lot different. It, it would have a whole totally different meaning. You know, it just gave me a thought here because you know how my my brim no, works I here. Do. It's kind of <laughs> kind of distorted, but a shadow is not just a shadow because in film. Because, yeah, you know, especially in color, they have a way of washing out 
all of the shadows with the lighting and then with further lighting creating the shadows so that they control the shadows the way they wanted to be and all that mm-hmm. uh, which they did also in like the noir detectives and mm-hmm. the noir westerns like Blood on the Moon uh, but I think in storytelling shadows have an awful lot to do with the mood and shadows work way better in black and white than they do in color because plain, plain because simple. because there's such a uh, that fine line between light and dark is crisp in black and white even mm-hmm. when it's grayish mm-hmm. whereas in color sometimes you don't even you don't register eat that is even there well and also I think with black and white you know you you, you you get a sense of who the bad guy is, not because he's wearing a black hat or any of that. Nonsense. Hoppy wore a black hat. Are you saying Hoppy's a bad guy? I am not saying that whatsoever. Oh, that's good. You, I, were, you were on shaky ground I, I, there. Darn too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that it. they look more evil when they're in uh, in black and white. And then I, I maintain evil as opposed to evil. Yeah. So. Well, you know, here's the thing. This is the thing like, you know, when early television came on, and anything Western I would watch, and one of my early favorites, and it still is, is The Big Sky. Mm-hmm. And to tell you the truth, I did not know that The Big Sky was shot in color for about 20 years until one day. Because I'm one of those persons that turn a TV on, and if it's a Western, I, I, and I don't care if it's the beginning, the middle, or the end, <laughs> I'll, watch it. I'll probably w- I'll watch part of it, yeah. even if I don't watch all of it. Yeah. But I'll watch it. And so I've probably seen The Big Sky or pieces of it more than any other movie. Mm-hmm. And I saw this in color, and I went, well, that's wrong. One, because my first thought was they colorized it, which to my because the early colorization was terrible, but the color was good, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, it can't be. I finally found out it was in color, and it's a good movie in color, but in the back of my mind, it's always black and white. I see it that way, and also because I love stills and stuff. Yeah, you go if you go and you collect stills from the movies, it's there are colored stills out there, but. Well, I'd say the vast majority of the time they're black and white, and they are like the good the good eight by tens just blow you away. You can't yeah. get enough of them. Well, it, they're the 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 color, if you will, is uh, and there are co- it is still mm-hmm. color, black and white, absence of color, but that's okay. Another point. Um, it, it it's crisp, yeah, very very sharp. It's clean, yeah. yeah. So. And you know, it's oh, it's. it's Oh, that, that thought is like rattling around trying to get out and it won't come out. Like a like a like a stallion trying to break the corral, right? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> and that and their images the imagery, Harry. See, that's what that's what this is all about. Yeah. Radio is uh, the theater of the mind, as mm-hmm. we have always talked. So, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, but again, you know, uh, it's like the other day I saw an advertisement. Uh, somebody has colorized the with the modern technology, the Shirley Temple movies. And they right. were showing different scenes from the right. different movies. And I'll tell you, the, the the colorization was so good that if you didn't know, you would swear it was shot in color. And this is one of the sad things that made me think, though. There's a lot of young people out there that, you know, they're streaming stuff and they're looking at all mm-hmm, the latest stuff. Mm-hmm. And because this is kind of the latest stuff now, mm-hmm. They're going to look at that and think that's the way it was shot. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you can look at, like, say, a movie like The Wizard of Oz. I can't imagine that movie in black and white, but I have seen it in black and white on the television. But I've never, I never, I never really cared for it. But I, I couldn't watch it at all. Okay, well, let, let's. Here, here's a perfect example. We got three Tendi Yuma. We got two versions. Mm-hmm. We have the original uh, with Glenn Ford and. Um, uh, Van, Heflin, Van Heflin, and then we've got the Russell Crowe uh, version, uh, which is color. And Christian Bale. And Christian Bale. So, uh, yeah, they're both they're both good, but I don't think the second one, uh, the remake, adds up to the first one whatsoever, well, story-wise well. and shooting-wise, and I maintain that that is uh, the 310 to Yuma's uh, a cowboy noir. 
Yeah. Well, I think it is, too. But uh, one of the things, too, because if you look at the, the Russell Crowe version, uh, it's it's it never really gels as it, you know with the color because one it's not it's not like Technicolor because like Technicolor was amazing. Mm-hmm. Of course, the all the women in the westerns had the reddest lips you ever saw. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, they had the best Max Factor, which didn't yeah. exist back then, right. and that used to drive. Oh, well, it's like uh, the uh, Johnny Guitar. Her lip, I mean, that movie to me is a masterpiece. Yeah. But Joan Crawford's lips are wrong. They just they're they're just so red, you know. Mm. They're they're redder than blood. Well, you know, but you know, but and think about this. So if you go back to the early days of color, and actually color goes back. They they were experimenting with color in the silence, but they didn't mm-hmm. really start using it. Because movies, they're just like anybody else. They get new technology, but they don't want to spend money on developing <laughs> it until they have to. It's the same way, you know. They Gee, had, that sounds familiar. <laughs> they had sound before they started really doing it, yeah. but they didn't. You know, they took initially it was like with a disc synchronized with the screen, but they, it just all of this crazy technology. But the Technicolor technology, that three color, I mean. That's it, and the West never looked like that either, you know, because it was just the colors just snapped at you. Mm-hmm. But when you watch them on the screen, I think Technicolor works be- the best color for what for westerns, even when you're doing the moody stuff, like Three Ten to Yuma. That that's kind of that subdued, almost uh, a color sepia. It's not sepia, right. but it's got that kind <clears throat> of diffused color, so that the color doesn't snap or pop. What about if we talked about some of the old bees, uh, the John Wayne bees, yeah. and put those in color? Would they have well, the same impact? Stagecoach, Monument Valley. That, but, the, but how but many I, times has Stagecoach been remade? Well, as, as a direct remake, it's been made uh, with uh, Alex Corr. Okay, but there's been variations of it made, you know, because they do that all. You make a hit movie, and then you get about fifty semi-copies of it. Mm-hmm. It's like how many Wyatt Earp movies have been made that didn't even have his name mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I think like with My Darling Clementine, if you look at like uh, David Munitz, the photographer, or Al- Ansel Adams, uh, you look, and what are they, they're not famous for their color stuff. No. Although they all, did great color yeah, work. Yeah. They're famous because their black and white brought something out. Yep. And like Monument Valley is beautiful in color, but you look at those pictures in black and white, and there's a starkness, uh, there's a, yeah, it, it, a, a loneliness yeah. in them, there's right. a the, feeling in them. Exactly, that's that's, that's what it conveys, is that, that vast emptiness mm-hmm. and and such. So, Well, we beat this topic to death. Well, one last, <laughs> yes. one last comment, because I'm going to use Stagecoach, which is a great example. The opening sequence, when the coach is coming down the yeah. road, and the and Tim Holt when the Calvary Column are falling. Mm-hmm. If that had been shot in color, you'd had a problem because there was snow on the ground. Well then. Yeah, it, but in black and white, it just showed up as light because it was just little patches under 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 a stage brush or a little bit. You know. And so, but again, you could you could you can cheat sometimes. Of course, nowadays with CGI, you yeah. can do almost anything yeah, you for want. Sure. Well, and, and uh, back then when they shot that, if if it had been shot in color, they would have had to paint that out yeah. if well, they so desired. When we did Rough Night in Jericho, no, no, excuse me, Duel at Diablo up at Kamev, uh over Thanksgiving, they got a big snowstorm up there. So we, we, I think we missed about three or four days of filming. And they was getting ready to shoot the end of the picture, which is when the cavalry comes in to to take out the survivors. Well, they had the greensman the day before out there with Hudson sprayers going all <laughs> up and down Kanab Canyon. Any place they saw snow, they would spray it brown. Oh my! Of course, you know if, if, if it melted, it didn't matter because it would just melt into the snow. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff they did. Yep. All right, it is time for that first commercial break. Yay. About twenty Where's minutes. Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes after. Oh yeah, I have to. Uh, this is something new that we've uh, started here. But drivers are telling us that it's the way you know it's commercial time. It's time to. <laughs> 
certainly are. All right, enough of that guy. <laughs> we will be back with much more of Emil Franzi's voice. Well, I got to see, you even got me all flustered here. <laughs> I got to find the right thingy. All right, we will be back with I much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West after these important messages. Do stay tuned, please, because I know you're going to enjoy it. I'm just a carefree cowboy Riding down the trail singing Ki-yi-yi-yippee-ki-yi I love the lonely prairie Where the coyotes wail at the moon Up there in the sky On the rain My troubles away I'm just a carefree cowboy Riding down the trail Singing ki-yi-yippee-yi-yi I'm just a the Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Wills and Trusts. Which one do you need? That's where the experience of Zach and Schmidt's PLC comes into play. What we'll usually do with the client is sit down with them and go over their concerns, go over what type of assets they hold, and then give them specific legal advice as to whether a trust makes sense in their specific situation. Let the experience of Zach and Schmidt's guide you through the legal maze of Wills and Trusts. 520-664-3420 or TucsonEstatePlanning.com. You are tuned into VOW Radio. VOW Radio. In all the stirring legends of the frontier west, there is none as exciting as the reckless saga of the men who pushed the last outposts of civilization across the Sierra Nevadas. The men who ride the high country. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. You add them all up, and I'd figure I was owed about all the gold we could carry out of these mountains. Looks like you've got a pretty good claim. Well, the lure of gold <laughs> and the lust for down. excitement held them together. There were few who could say who was bad and who was good. I don't know. What Especially the, hell the two tall here, men who suited their actions to the era in which they lived. Uh, the machines taking over. Machines have. The machine is just going bonkers here. Yeah, thank you so much. Fix it real fast. <laughs> there, that fixed it real fast. What did you do? You just turn the sound <laughs> off on it? I turned every damn thing off on it. Oh, okay. Uh, and I even disconnected myself. As you here. can tell, 
Oh, God. We're as loose as a Christmas goose. Yeah, we're as loose. You pick the next topic here while I put myself back together. Please. Well, have once a month out there at the Friends of Pima County Library, they have like a four-day book sale. And it's a pretty darn good deal. You can go out there and buy books that you'd, you'd spend $40 or more for, especially nowadays, nowadays prices. Or you can go back there like I do. I go back to the vintage thing, and I find books that you just you can't find. You can't get them from Barnes & Noble mm-hmm. or Amazon or, or any of them others because they just they don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And like a foolish person that I am, I picked up 24 books. Only twenty four. Only twenty four. Actually, that's 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 well, that's kind of a record, I think. And I'm going to kind of mention some of those books just because I think they're worth mentioning. The first book I picked up was a thing called The Gringo Privateer. And the reason I picked it up because it made me think of you. But I got to <laughs> looking at it, and it the story is about uh, a land baron. The guy is he's like. Kind of, well, kind of like the Vales in a way. He has ranches in California and Arizona and New Mexico. And they call him King, and it's his kingdom because he's kind of like that, and he likes that. Uh-huh. But the ranch in New Mexico is the biggest of all his holdings. And having that kind of cowboy humor or sense of humor, he liked to call that ranch the Ranchito, the Little Ranch. And the storyline just goes into, uh, you know, the running of the ranch and stuff like that. But it's I'm looking forward to reading it. It was uh, copyrighted 1929. Now, the, the other book, I think this was the second one I came on, was an interesting book, Woman of the Frontier by Zane Gray. Hmm. And that was copyrighted 1940, but it was written much earlier than what happened with that. This was it was uh, written during the Depression, but the publishers didn't want to publish it because they thought it was controversial. Wow! And I'm just curious because you know I know like Writers of the Purple Sage Sage was controversial because the uh, bad element in that story was the Mormon Church. Mm And that was reflecting kind of the feelings of the times between clashing cultures and clashing religions. Mm-hmm. But uh, Woman of the Frontier was published in serial form in the magazines and in a shorter version as 30,000 Head. Wow. Well, uh, Romer Gray, actually one of his two sons, uh, worked with some people and they came up with the original manuscript. And that's what Woman of the Frontier is. It's the original manuscript. So, again, that's one I'm looking forward to. Another one I picked up is called Zane Gray. Mm-hmm. But it's not by Zane Gray. Okay. It's by Frank Gruber, fine, fine Western author, who also some of his books made them into movies. And I grew up reading the Zane Gray stuff, but I read as a kid I read mostly his hunting stories and his baseball stories. And so I'm looking forward again to getting to know him better. Another one, and this is, to me, was really a fine, called The Cowboy and His Horse. And it's, you know, it's very familiar. It just, it's uh, kind of the history of cowboys from the Spaniards up to modern time. Uh, It's fully illustrated, uh, no photos, just artwork Mm -hmm. in, in a sepia color. But what I really like about it is that it breaks down the, the tack, like you have like there's diagrams and and charts, and you know like you got you have a picture of a horse and then like every every part of the, of mm-hmm, the horse, mm-hmm. a saddle, they break it down. You, they have like different the, the tack, the different kinds of spurs. Joe would have liked that. Oh, Joe would have loved it. Yeah. And the the thing is, it it, it kind of reminded me back when I was a kid, Sabisco shredded wheat, Sabisco mm-hmm. shredded wheat, excuse mm-hmm. me, had between the layers of the shredded wheat mm-hmm. bricks, uh, they had straight arrow ingenuity cards. <laughs> and I had I had <laughs> almost a hundred of those things. They're worth a fortune. Of course, my my dad threw them <laughs> out when I went in the navy. And I still hold it against him, even though he's long gone. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, it's just—it's such a great reference, and just a, a visual joy to look at. 
before you go any further, yes. uh, it, well, ju- just you know, it's it's one of these one of these uh, problems here that Mr. Computer is not complying, and I'm positive it's not an ID10T error. Uh, but uh, the phones aren't working, uh, so give us a call. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. give us an email. Send us an email if you'd like to talk at uh, voicesofthewest at gmail dot com, and uh, I'm watching that as well as uh, on our YouTube uh, channel. Watching that, so if you're watching and you'd have a comment that you'd like to pop on, pop on that comment. I'll yeah. be checking those, and we can go from there. So. Well, you know, it's the marriage of Ma Bell and computers, and that's an unnatural, to me, it's an unnatural, whatever you would call it. Hey, this stuff still surprises me. I mean, you know. Yeah, you you, you do this stuff all the time, and it constantly. Well, yeah, and it constantly. <laughs> well, it, it upgrades. Constantly, yeah, that's one of the things. It does upgrade me. me, and then uh, all my stuff goes uh, bonkers. And, and they never tell you you're upgrading you know, until you're in the show, and you go, uh-huh, what's going uh-huh, on? Yeah. yeah. So there, there are some issues. Yeah, if you want to talk about technology and how I hate it, call. Yeah. Uh, no, you can't I mean, call. call. <laughs> email, email. Yeah, so there you be. Uh, technology has screwed us once again. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, a wonderful thing. Know, I know the show wouldn't be the same in smoke signals, but... We ought to try it sometime. Yeah. Just to <laughs> see what... Put a match to that. Yeah, yeah, put a match. No, we'll put a match to this thing right here. The computer, not the mixer, the computer. (laughs) So go on. Well, one other book I picked up was this. I'm looking forward. This one's called Close Ups from the Golden Age of the Silent Cinema, and it's. I mean, it's just every page is, Mm. and it's like this thick. Every page is a full eight by ten, and some of them are like stuff you just you know you've never seen. Yeah, and. It's not it's not the eight by tens that you'd see like for a movie, you mm-hmm. know, headshot. It's basically studio shots of them, and it's broken. And what kind of neat is it's broken into two sections. The first section is all strictly the silent actors. Mm-hmm. The second section is silent actors, but it's silent actors that made the transition into the sound era. Like so, you got some of the cowboy guys like in there. William Boyd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's so that's there. Let's see what else we got. Anything? Oh, and I picked up Final Cut, Dreams and Disasters in the Making of Heaven's Gate. Ah, and that's a there's a show in that right there. Yeah. I think so. You know, I was going to say something. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. What are you going to say? Ask you your thoughts on why don't we see more um, westerns of the silent genre. Uh, I know there's bunches of them out there. I haven't been able to find a ton of them in any of my research uh, through public domain places and, and, and so forth. What 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 do you think is well, the issue? You know, I think a lot, an awful lot of it has to do with business model. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, somebody, you know, like, like we'll say Turner Classics, they can look at that and they go, gee, that would be interesting to do. And then the lawyers and the accountants go, yeah, but we'll lose money on it. So they let they let the thing of making money be more important than giving people something. And there are there are silent movies, as far as being classic, that stand up to the modern classics. Hmm. But we don't know about them. One of the things though is like when I was a kid, I can remember if you uh, it was in all the magazines, in the comic books, uh, you could you could get eight millimeter uh, film. From Blackhawk. Oh yeah. And Blackhawk was all they they distributed. They were bigger distributing than the Hollywood. They shit all mm-hmm. over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could buy it in in the darkest of Africa, the wettest of South America. The no electricity, but you can buy one of those. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and I think that's part of it. And also, so many of them were lost because of the nitrate quality. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think we mentioned it before on the show a few years back. They were doing a uh, building project up in Alaska, and they were bulldozing, grading the land to flatten it out for it, and they came across the cache of films, and uh, most of them were silenced. They had been buried in the tundra, so there was no deterioration. 
and I've seen I've seen a couple of clips from some of them, and every once in a while you get the distortion. Yeah. But you know, people people like uh, oh, Martin Scorsese and American Film Institute, the uh, uh, Smithsonian, they've got a huge. They're building a library all the time, and I think there may be a way of accessing films in the Smithsonian. Uh, but I'm not sure how you would go about doing that. I have looked and looked and looked, and maybe my search terms aren't correct. I, I don't know, but um, I'll continue searching because well, that, that's a uh, really a a cool thing to look yeah. at, uh, well, if, if, just, especially if you like silent films. When we were, uh, before we did the tribute show to, for Joe Dreyfus, we had planned to do a cowboy Christmas show. Yes. And one of the things I did in doing my research. I came across Bronco Billy's Christmas Dinner. Mm-hmm. It's a little over 11-minute film. Yeah, you can find that on uh, in and public it's out domain. There. And you look at it, and it, it, again, black and white, but so crisp and sharp. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't miss anything. And it's entirely delightful. I enjoyed the dickens well, out of you it. you know, especially when you have these giant box cameras that are filming the uh, the event. I mean... <laughs> and... And uh, and then of course one we watched forty seven eleven forty nine seventeen forty nine seventeen that's yeah. okay I know you're dyslexic I'll just who that yeah. and I'm confused easily uh, well then and bedazzled and there you have it so we have to do a uh, <laughs> we're going to attempt another commercial break here and uh, we'll be back oh, right that after reminds me too when we come back after these messages with a totally a bunch of more information. Right here on Nuggets. Emil, Nuggets on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Do stay tuned, please. Thunder and hoofbeats pounding, trail dust in the sky, hurricane speed of a prairie stampede, thunder and hoofs flying by, drums of the night are beating. for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Hello? I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing environment where horses can be horses so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, little partners. Have you been doing anything to help Mom around the house lately? You haven't. Let's do all we can to help her, huh? 
I'll bet you'll have fun doing it, and I know Mom will appreciate it. Will you do that for me? Not till next week, so long, and good luck. We are back on Amal Franzi's yeah. Voices of the West, and uh, I decided to forego whatever it was that was supposed to happen there because it's not happening. It ain't right. happening. So uh, we'll just uh, well we'll just drop back and punt. And all you little buckaroos out there, you listen to your mom, like Hoppy said. Damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I was I was thinking I was going to say this earlier, and I forgot. It's which it's, it's easy for me to do, but. You know, when Tex Ritter was on, I got I got to thinking, you know, because to me, he's one of the greatest of the cowboy singers. Right. But there's a show somewhere down the line. We need to do a show about the cowboy singers. I agree. There's a whole ton of them, and they're all great in their own way. We have a message here from one of our trusted listeners and longtime listeners and viewers, Sharad. Hello! Sharad uh, and... She says that Rendell, Linda Crystal has an autobiography coming out soon. Oh. Was in the Alamo, two rode together, and yeah. high chaparral. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. She was a pretty little thing in the Alamo. She was a babe no matter what. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Well, how, Sharon, how she thank never... you for joining us. I yes. wish you'd called in, but well, you can't because, because the, phone the phone ain't working. Phone ain't working so. so at least you... you Email this. How come they don't D-mail or F-mail? Well, you don't want that F-mail anyway. That's I get a lot of F-mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? You think I should tell the little the, the cowboy story about the Cowboys Tea Party? Why not? I think it's a great story. Oh, I do, too. It's kind of short. But, you know, this old cowboy, he was sitting there in the living room, and he was uh, playing tea party with his little daughter. And he had had about two or three cups of this tea, the little teeny kind of cups that little girls play with. And he was just finishing the third cup when his wife walked in the room. And he says, hey, stick around. you got to see this. This is just the darndest thing you've ever seen. Uh, Little Susie, she's she's bringing me tea, and we're having us a tea party. Mm -hmm. So just about that time, little Susie comes toddling down the hall with a cup of tea little cup with tea. Now, the tea's really water, but, you know, Daddy's yeah, going right, along right. with it, pretending it's tea. All Daddies so, do that. They do that. So he takes that cup of tea, and he winks at his wife, and he just sips it a little bit, and then shoots <laughs> it back. And his wife, she kind of shakes her head, and she says, you know, the only water that she can reach is in the toilet. Oh. <laughs> Daddies are wonderful men. Yeah, we sure are, <laughs> and we sure get all kinds of things that happen to us. And yeah. well, it's like that. There's a commercial out there, and there's there's this big burly guy with a beard, and the camera's on him, and he's got eyeshadow and lipstick on, and and little butterfly clips in his beard yeah. and his wife comes down the st- stairs and she looks at him and says something I can't remember what it is and then the camera pulls back and he's like his little daughter he's letting her do all this stuff to him <laughs> and it's like you know it's it's humiliating but yeah. it's but it's cute and I, I had to do that you had to do that with, with my when my daughter while oh, my daughter was growing up and uh, yeah and, and um, <laughs> even in this day and age, you think John I still Wayne, have to do that stuff You think John sometimes. Wayne ever did that with his girls? I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I do, I do. Well, darling, <laughs> are you sure the door's locked? <laughs> yeah, you know, come on, you're a dad, you got to do, there's, these yeah. are dad obligations, oh, I'm yeah. saying, you know, you just got to do them. So what else we got? Well, you know, one of the other books that I picked up, and I'm going to just try to jump around now because it's too many to list, the 24 of them, uh, was Red Men and White. Mm-hmm. And this book was copyrighted in 1895. Wow. Now, what's neat about this book is it's by Owen Weister. And Owen Weister is the fellow who wrote The Virginian, the Virginian mm-hmm. in 1904, and which everybody says is kind of like 
that's when the Western started. But that was actually when they became crossed over, became super popular, mm-hmm. not just a genre. But uh, this this is like a, a several different stories. But again, you know, it's just like the language, the way the guys, these guys, because you know, think about it, 1885. This isn't some guy writing about the past. This is a guy writing about a couple current of events yeah. almost. Yeah, and it just it just it's so neat. Well, another book that intrigues me, and I, you brought it in for breakfast, and I, I got to find me a copy of it, and uh, it's uh, called Curly. Yes, a tale of the Arizona desert, uh, published in 1905 by uh, Roger. Is it Pocock? I think so. Poc. P-O-C-O-C-K, I think. It's close enough for me. Yeah. Uh, but in quick reads of, of some of the descriptions, I mean, it was like, oh. damn. Like the, the one <laughs> section in there when he, uh, it's on, and it's on page 78 if you ever get a copy, he's describing how different people fight, how, how uh, Chinamen fight, how Greeks fight, how... Mexicans fight, and he describes all this, and then he's like, like the Mexican pulls the knife, the, the other guy does this and that. He gets to the cowboy, and he says, the cowboy pulls his smoke iron. Yeah. He says, but the British, the English, he says, you never know what they're going to do. <laughs> you know, another topic that... We, and the illustrations are great. Yeah, another topic we had talked about at, at some length and never really went anywhere with it is... When you ride into a western town, old west town, faster slow, uh, you can do either if you wish, bunker. Oh, okay, I mean, you know, we could do well, the. It, it's part of the story. Well, right? see, we could do the op- like with you in the opening of of the uh, the opening sequence for the program. You riding in uh, to uh, doing our Joel do, do, do crazy Ishmael. Yeah, 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 I love that. That's my that's my pride and joy. Everything I've ever done, you know, I don't know why, but it just it's my Ben Johnson, Joel McRae moment. Well, and that's why we run it. Yeah. Because it's just it's, it's just so doggone good anyway. <laughs> but the, the question remains. And I didn't trip. There you go. That's even more amazing. <laughs> um, how are these towns laid out? You frequently see the sheriff's office is next to the bar, or across the street from the bar. You don't see much of general stores. The livery is always outside of town, someplace. Uh, you don't, s- yeah. You don't see a whole lot of people um, living in town. They all seem to live out on ranches, someplace, and that's not true. Uh, people did live in town, rooming houses or, or whatever the case may be. So yes. Well, think about this though too, because this has to do with economics. Mm-hmm. You go back to the westerns of the '30s. Uh, the B westerns, the towns were modestly inhabited. Mm-hmm. You went to a big A western, and even up into the 40s and 50s, and the towns, like you know, you go, you go to uh, like Wichita or Union Pacific, which wasn't in town, but the towns were full of people. Yeah, they would have, you know. In fact, we we, we talked about this uh, way back when Emil was still with us about how. Like the uh, the oh the John Wayne the Big Trail, mm-hmm. how stills from that have crept into history books yes. because they look so authentic. Yeah, and some of the towns and some of these things looked so authentic. Yeah. That was one of the curses of Heaven's Gate is they had these towns full of people, but back then you know it was like give them a box lunch and a couple of dollars, and they brought. They wore their own clothes because it. What came out of the closet looked better than what they had yeah. in Western costume. But what happened is over time the cost and extras are still one of the cheapest things in a movie. Sure. But the people making movies are some of the cheapest people in life. You know, <laughs> I worked on pictures where they they spent more money on the wrap party than they did on the extras, and you can't see the wrap party on the screen. Yeah. Well, that, there's a whole nother different topic right there. Mm-hmm. we got to do our uh, final commercial break here, so do stay tuned. We'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, and so I don't get screwed on the music. We're just going to jump right on into the uh, commercial break here. So stand by. We'll be right No, I don't want you to do oh, that, okay. please. We'll be right back. 
Tucson Estate Planning, where attorneys Ron Zach and Chanel Schmitz design estate plans to keep you out of court. There are so many people who say they do estate planning. What they're doing is they're just picking up forms. It's not a lot different than just going on and getting your own forms and filling them out. That causes a lot of problems. We know what goes to court. We know what problems come up. Zach and Schmitz, PLC. Estate planning attorneys you can trust. 520-664-3420. TucsonEstatePlanning.com. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. Saddle up on VOW Radio. Tune in every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for the Voices of the West Old Time Radio Shows. We are bringing back those old-time Western radio shows like Paladin, Gunsmoke, Tales of the Texas Rangers, and many more. It's every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on VOW Radio. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander along with Bunker de France and a computer that needs to be rebooted or restarted or just, just plain shot maybe. stomped stomp that sucker put him in a put, <laughs> put him in a uh, put him in a cattle herd and see what the devil happens you know it's maybe a, you think that would you think that could have created a problem no it ain't the cow <laughs> that's our signal folks that if it, if it played before the commercial, it would let you know that we're about to do a commercial. But now that it played now, it's letting you know that the commercial's over. Yep-er. <laughs> All right. So, uh, where do you want to go? Well, you know, we we were just talking about old-time radio and the you know, lead into that. And I've got a couple of little nuggets here because uh, I'm always writing stuff down for hopefully someday I'll get it into my files. But... Uh, in April 10th, 1954, there was a Gunsmoke episode. It was called Greater Love. Ran 25 minutes. The cast was uh, William Conrad as Marshal Matt Dillon. Parley Bear as Chester. Made a damn fine Chester. He did. And Howard McNear was Doc. And everybody knows Howard as the barber from Andy Griffith. Floyd the Barber. <laughs> yeah. Floyd the Barber. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, Georgia uh, Georgia Ellis was Miss Kitty. Mm-hmm. She made a fine Miss Kitty. John Daner was the guest star, and he did a ton of westerns. I mean, they're talk about some of these guys' careers. People have no concept of all the work these guys did. I think John Daner was probably one of the hardest working guys in Hollywood because he. I mean, you see him in tons of westerns. Mm-hmm. You see him in other episodes of other programs as well and he did a lot of radio yeah. as well i mean he was the he was paladin and yeah. have gun will travel on radio so i mean my god it, well you know it's it, working people don't realize that a lot of these especially in the during from the 30s on through the 40s that a lot of actors did radio yeah. because they had time between shows right right you know jimmy stewart yep broderick crawford yeah i mean these guys were this was, you know, they had to feed the kids just like everybody else. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and and one more thing about Daner, he does comedy pretty well. Yes, he does. Uh, I was very surprised when I, I've, I've seen him in a, a number of Mavericks episodes where he uh, plays the, it's a comedic role, mm-hmm. and he's, he's doggone good. I mean, he's well, you know, there and everything. Uh, there's an episode of how the West is won the TV version yeah. you know, with, with Arness and Bruce Boxlight. Yeah. 
And in this particular episode, Box Lightner had been wounded and kind of kind of a takeoff on the angel and the bad man. He, he's with this mm-hmm. religious community. And the head of the community is John Daner, who you, know, you almost go, well, cheapers, you know, <laughs> it's not the kind of stuff he does. But he was so versatile and so good in yeah. what he did. Yeah. And so, you know, David Huddleston is the bad guy. And, of course, he comes to town and, and he's threatening to kill one of the townsmen. And they're, they're not backing down. They said, we won't tell you where he is. We won't tell you where he is. And finally, you know, the kid goes up and he says, he's got the, he's got the, he's got the box light in his gun. And he says, you know, don't let him kill my paw or mm-hmm. something like that. And he goes out and, of course, blows yeah. uh, Huddleston away. But, again, you know, Daner was just, you know, if you didn't know who he was, you you, you, you wouldn't. He was all over. He was just, oh, yeah, he's great. And he was. He was just so consistent. Like Jack, like Jack Elam. You know, he could put, well, you know, the one where, the run the radio thing, where he was an English journalist in the West who taught himself to be a fast draw artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he would have these adventures and just totally convincing. But he could play gentleman. And he could play, you know, the head of the of the toothless clan, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the, the idiot sons. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of radio coming up at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time every Saturday, it is uh, VOW's uh, Old West Radio Theater. And uh, tonight uh, we have um, the continuation of the adventures of... Uh, the Cisco Kid. Oh, Pancho. Pancho. And we also have uh, Tales of the Texas Rangers starring oh, Joel okay. McRae. Wonderful Joel McRae. Yeah. Well, another radio show. We're going back now to December 30th, 1950. And I can remember listening to these faithfully. The Gene Autry's Melody Ranch. Oh, yeah. And on that particular show, which ran for 29 minutes on CBS, sponsored by Wrigley, uh... The announcer was Charles Lyons, and of course the cast included Gene Autry, Pat Buttram, the Cass County Boys, Johnny Bond, who was very big in country music, mm-hmm. uh, the Pinafores, which was a group of lady singers, which were really good. I think there were some guys in there too, I'm not really not sure. Uh, Carl Kirchner Orchestra, which was kind of the regular orchestra. And the songs that they did for that show was Dear Hearts and Gentle People, and Chattanooga, Shoeshine Boy, and others. So, you know, you, you you always think of Autry doing just the straight cowboy songs, but he was doing songs of the yeah. day as well. You can find a lot of these um, old radio serials. Uh, there's a variety of websites that uh, have them. Mm-hmm. and uh, I think Nostalgia's one. Yeah, it? and we're one of them as well. But um, you can find a ton of them at uh, uh, the... Uh, National Archives, and yeah. uh, I mean they're they're just great to listen. Well, you to. know, about five years ago or more, for a couple of years on Sunday nights uh, around eight or nine o'clock, they had an hour block. I think maybe it's two hour block of old time radio programs. Yeah, yeah. And I used to listen to them all the time. I loved them because you know you might you might get Fibber McGee and Molly. You'd, you'd get, you know, the shadow, whatever. And they were just delight to listen to. Yeah, kids of today have no clue about any yeah. of that stuff. Well, it was not a video game, with, yeah. you know, yeah. shooting, you know. Right. Yeah, it's just it's same because, you, they're, and they're also, they're educational in a way. Yeah. They take you back, they give you a, a, a taste of what America and culture, one of the books I got was a, a, a Norman Rockwell uh, published by, uh, Saturday Evening Post, it was like a, 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 what do you call it? a Norman Rockwell album, mm. and it's just full of like, and it had things in there like there's a full page illustration for a Skippy peanut butter thing, you know, <laughs> and you look you look at the family things in there and the, and the towns, and people say, oh, well, that's, that was just idyllic, that was not real. I was a kid in the 50s. And it was I'll tell like you that. what, it was like that. Yeah. America was like Ozzy and Harriet. It was. We didn't know about all the stuff that was dark that yeah. was happening, but that was the, the general. I, I was uh, a few years in back of you, uh, but still remember the 50s mm-hmm. uh, quite well. 
We are uh, plumb out of time. Well, darn it. Well, it went quick. It did. And despite all of the other issues, uh, we will be back next time, next Saturday. What are we doing? I have no idea. Really? But uh, keep, we'll come up with something. Yeah, of course, we always do. Uh, <laughs> Or something or other. So That's do stay. To scare them, I know. Do stay tuned, and we will be back next time on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. So long. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.